Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Clarity Report. Today, we are interviewing a friend of mine, a fellow Mount St. Mary alum, Jonathan Mars. John, thanks so much for joining the Clarity Report with us today. Kyle, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. So I wanted to bring John on today because he is a career coach. Um, and as we, as a lot of our listeners know, we talk a lot on this show about changing careers because I think it's something, and John, you'll probably agree with me, it's something that is very challenging because people will be in a certain industry for a long time, they'll be in a certain career for a long time, and they'll realize I need to make a change for one reason or another. So can you kind of talk us into, you know, why did you start um, your company? Kind of tell us about your company, tell us about your services and kind of what motivated you to start, you know, doing this kind of challenging field of work. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. And if I'm rambling, feel free to cut me off. But my my career coaching business actually started out of me making a pretty big career transition from traditional old media in a dying industry to tech startup. And I learned a, a number of things along the way in terms of how to make that transition and position yourself. And when I was able to sort of join this tech startup that grew quite a bit, I knew that on paper I was potentially taking a step back, but I knew that if I could just get my foot in the door, work really hard and learn as much as I could as quickly as possible, that I, I could probably make it work. And so the career coaching actually started from me just helping an old intern and then having her refer me to her friends and then their friends. And, and then I was able to charge money for it and then charge more money for it. And then really realized that this is a need that, that people have. So what is something, what's one of the most common obstacles? Like a client comes to you and says, I want to make a change. What is one of those common obstacles they have to get over? I think one of the, one of the obstacles I, I face with clients sometimes is they want to do it their way. And in my instance, I find that it's, it's a system in terms of a number of things that you want to do together. And if you sort of pick and choose some of the things you want to do and not do the others, then sometimes you're not going to have the results that you want. And so there's an element of whether you're a career coaching client or you hire a basketball coach or a gym, you know, trainer, for example, like you're going to them for their expertise. You don't walk into a gym and tell a trainer, well, let me tell you the things that I want to do. And so there's an element of uh, just trust, I think, that that and humility of, of trying to sort of doing the steps. And when I scope clients and, you know, it's, it's as much me feeling them out as it is me feeling them out because time is our most precious commodity. And I want to make sure that I'm working with people who really want to put in the work to, to do it. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I think, you know, like you said, one of the things that we, I think as humans struggle to, to deal with is, is admitting we don't know something. Um, and you know, even when we pay somebody to help us with something, that doesn't necessarily mean that we give up kind of the way we knew how to do it. Um, so it sounds like there's, you, you have clients who, know that they need help, but don't actually want to listen to the help. Yeah. And it's, it, it's all stuff that I understand intimately because I was checking out one of your earlier podcasts and you were talking about, th think, you know, learning about what to do and also mistakes that people have made. And so 
you know, I went through this process of a career transition and come, came on the other side realizing there's nothing unique or special about me. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. And so it's, it's sort of doing the things that you know are the right things to do and testing that with literally hundreds of clients and then knowing what, what not to do. And, but it's hard because sometimes, you know, blasting a resume into a black hole on the internet feels good because you're, you, you did it, you know, you've got something, but it's, for me, it's quality over quantity. I'd rather spend 10 hours on one application versus, you know, one hour on 10, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And I think it makes even more sense as you advance in your career, you know, because, you know, when you're younger, you'll take anything. But once you get older, you know, you, you want to make a career move that you're going to be somewhere that's of quality. Um, and also, you know, if these people are going to give you these six figure salaries, they want to see kind of that effort. Um, so, I mean, I think that probably plays a role into it, too. Right. About, you know, if you're if you're a little older in your career and you're applying to jobs, you kind of have to put in extra effort. Maybe you have to, instead of blasting out, I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I got was instead of blasting out, you know, a cookie cutter cover letter, you know, that if you find a handful of jobs that you really want, write a, write, write a unique cover letter for those jobs and use the cookie cutter one for the, you know, the, the safety jobs, I guess you could call them. Yeah. Cause I think you want to showcase why you're going to create exponential value at the company. But companies also want to know why you're excited about what they're doing. And the cover letter, to your point, is a great example of showcasing both of those things. Sure. And, it, you know, it's it, it's sort of a testing mentality. You know, I test things in my, my day job, sometimes to the detriment of money or promotions, or th just to see what works and what doesn't so that I can share it with my clients. And I... I that's sort of why I enjoy being in the game too, because I'm not, you know, it's not like I haven't worked at a tech company in 10 years or something and don't really understand what's going on. So if you can take it as to your point, take it very seriously and understand that money's being exchanged, but also accepting a testing mentality of figuring out what works and what doesn't work and being comfortable with maybe not always getting the outcome, but that can feed the next promotion or the next job application make that one better. Sure. Absolutely. So I want to pivot a little bit because I want to talk about, um, you know, you, you're married, you have a family, you have a full-time job and you have this business. So what kind of advice can you give our listeners who have young children and want to start their own kind of either side hustle or business, you know, and don't, you know, cause I always tell people, well, if you want to start something on the side, you got to work nights, you got to work weekends, mm -hmm. but I also don't have kids. So what kind of advice would you be giving people when you have a full-time job, you have a family and you want to start this? How do you, how do you find that free time, I guess? Yeah. And, and to be clear, thank you. know, as you described, I'm, I'm in a pretty, pretty busy stage of the life cycle, but I can always find ways to maximize more time. And I often find even I waste time. I think, I think it was James Clear that said, you know, you sort of fall to the level of your habits and so I think having good habits is really important, which can be really hard in 2020 because your kids may or may not be in school. You, you're working from home. Maybe, you, you know, you work and eat dinner in the same table, the same room. So it's, it's a really crazy year for a lot of reasons. And, and so I think really getting into a good routine and, and habit is important. And so, for example, with my, career coaching business, I just launched a 
podcast myself called Career Corner. And, and that's something that I used to do at my old, old company. It was a great live series. But I said, I mean, I've sat on this idea of, of doing it for years. And so I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. But the one thing that I'm focusing on with that, just to give you a real tactical example, is I just I just focus on shipping and, you know, not letting my desire to make it perfect mm-hmm. sort of prevent me from getting it out the door. So it's and it's it's sort of the old, you know, like, don't you don't eat an elephant in one bite. I just try to do a little bit every day to sort of move the needle. And I have a certain time of day and some days I might work on it for two hours and some days I might only work on it for, for 15 minutes. Um, and I also try, like, I don't watch a lot of TV, frankly, people ask me all the time, have you seen this show or what do you think about that? I watch live sports and that's about it. Uh, maybe a documentary every now and then, and then I read it night before bed. So I don't have that either. And then I, I do get up at 5 AM to try to maximize time before the kids are up or, or when they go down. And, and try to make it all work, you know, try to be a good husband, be a good father, be a good employee. Um, and then, you know, have some time for myself too to do some hobbies that I like, but anyone can do it. It's just prioritizing it and creating some habits that you can fall back on, I think really help. And I love what you said about shipping it, uh, because that's something that for a long time I was very guilty of. I've had this idea for a podcast for a long time. Um, now I do a lot more of my Instagram channel. I do like a morning, a morning motivational minute every morning. And there's just so many things that I wanted to get just right. I wanted to, you know, perfect this or be able to afford this. You know, one of the reasons I didn't do a podcast was I was just under the assumption that you needed you needed a professional to edit it. You need a professional to go through it. You needed music and all this stuff. And I don't have any of that. I have this. I interview people. I flip on the mic. You know, we, we're in, we're out. I mean, there's no music. It's very raw. Um, you know, and someday I will add music and I will add different things and we will have, you know, more functions and all that type of stuff. But for right now, it's just like you said, it's about taking that content and just getting it out there. And just putting it in front of people and not sitting on it. Because if you sit on something until it's perfect, you're never going to do it because it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, I agree. And like you, there's 50 other things I wish I was doing for my podcast right now. But but I'll get to them. And I've tried to go about it in a way that's scalable. But I'm also hands-on enough that I'm learning. So I think one of the things I've come to value to is doing things that allow me to keep learning and growing and pushing myself and that process is really fun i just started smoking meat for the first time on sunday just this past sunday a couple days ago and that's fun too to, to just to figure out how to do that and then talk about it with some buddies and stuff like that so i've enjoyed the process this process is going to go on for a long time there's a lot of things like you said i, I wish i could be doing but i'll get that i'll get to them the main point is i can't help anyone if it's not out there and making it cleaner and nicer and prettier and all that stuff that will, that will come. Sure. Absolutely. And like you said, it is, it goes back to, you're not helping anybody, you know, if the content is not actually out there. And that's something that, like I said, I've gone through because now, you know, my videos are up and my things are up and then not everything is exactly the way I want it, but you know, it's more about just doing it. And I also think, you know, it's also about to me, just researching before you assume you can't do something, just researching, is there a tool out there that will help you? Because I never knew, you know, I record this on StreamYard, um, and 
I never knew this thing existed. And it's been a game changer for me because I can record these interviews. I can record videos. I can do my online courses on them. And I never knew that it existed. And now there's a whole nother realm because this $20 a month platform exists. So do you find that, you know, instead of just assuming you don't have the bandwidth or resources to do something, like, have you found tools that have kind of been like game changers for you? Yeah, it's funny. I was checking out the the link StreamYard that you're using. I haven't heard of it either, you know. And mm -hmm. I'd love to pick your brain on how you, how you're enjoying it. But yeah, I, I definitely. It's in in so many ways. It's a it's a great time to be alive, you know. And part of me worries too. I don't know how you feel. Like you almost show up too late to the podcast world. Like, did you miss? Did that ship sail? But at the same time, it's there is so much great stuff out there. So I use a few different software programs that make it a lot easier. And, but also some of them allow me to be hands-on so I get to do some of the editing myself because to, to your earlier point, you know, I don't, I don't have 10 hours a week to just edit and, and make it perfect. I have 10 hours to work on each episode, for example, but, um, you know, so it's, it's cool. It's in part of, I don't know how you went about it, but I just, I found some, there's also like information overload. So I sort of found one or two sites that seem to have a good point of view on some things. And I just went down that rabbit hole versus trying to boil the ocean on the internet around podcasts. And, and then also looked at podcasts that I've listened to for a long time and people I admire and just sort of see what they do and try to co copy some of it or emulate it. Sure. And I think that's an interesting note when you said, you know, are we coming too late to the podcast game? Because I think there's probably listeners to this podcast that say, you know, I have an idea. I want to do something, but am I too late? And I think, you know, as far as a podcast is concerned, I don't think you're ever too late if you are using your podcast to further something else. Um, you know, I think anybody can create a podcast if it's another avenue of information, if it's another avenue to further your services. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If somebody was like, hey, I want to start a podcast and I want it to be my full-time job. I think that's an uphill battle. I'm not saying mm -hmm. you can't do it, but there's a lot of different things that go into that. Um, but I think, you know, creating a podcast, even if you are the 100 millionth podcast ever created or there's a thousand people doing what you do, it's still another piece of content that you can get in front of your audience and kind of work it into your marketing strategy. And I think some people who may be saying to themselves, I don't know if I want to get into this industry because there's already people doing it. Well, I mean, it really comes down to being, you know, creating something of value. It doesn't matter if other people are doing it, but if you have your own way of doing it and your own spin on it, then I think that's really what's important. And I think most people never even really try to do it in the first place. So if you give it a shot, you'll, there's, there's something out there for you. Like there's a piece of the pie for you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And the other way to look at it is there's a proven marketplace and i think with podcasts and other things my wife has a, a great food blog and she's super talented in terms of photography and also making the food and you know, there are food bloggers that make millions of dollars a year i mean who would have ever thought and and she wrestles with the same thing but for us it's be consistent keep showing up and if you do it for long enough and you like you said can create value for people it'll it'll probably work out so I want to dive a little bit into kind of your, your services, but also the people that you work with. You know, when we talk about career coaching and we talk about finding a new job, I think it kind of can be divided into at least two buckets. There's the bucket of, I want to stay in my industry, but then there's the bucket of, I want to change industries. 
I want to make a career change. I want to do something significantly different than what I'm doing right now. So when that person comes into your life and you take that person on as a client, you know, what do you, what do you talk to them about? And kind of like, what are their, I guess, what are their roadblocks? Because, you know, to me, I think if you're in your thirties or forties and you want to change careers, you probably have a lot of financial responsibility. So it might be a little more difficult. So do you have clients like that? Like, how do you kind of walk them through kind of overcoming those types of obstacles? Yeah. And if I'm not going in the right direction on this, feel free to rein me in. But I think there's, there's sort of the element of combining your passions, your values and, and what you're good at into a career. And, you know, I just read an article this morning in the wall street journal about a, a woman who she's like big in the tech world and then pivoted into being the Dean of business. And she was saying at, at Clemson university here in South Carolina, and she was saying she's had six different careers. So that's, I, I think becoming the norm of just accepting the fact that, Hey, you probably are going to have different careers, which is very different from generations prior where the focus was more on job security. So what I try to do is, is stress test and go through some exercises to figure out what are you good at? What do you like? And then what are your values? And then overlay those things and then sort of think about what are the industries that you're interested in? Like what are the, what are the industries that you read about or the companies that you're just interested in, right? Like one of the, companies that I just pay attention to their stock price is square. And it's just really, it's just an interesting company. And I can you see it everywhere and understand what their business model is and things like that. And then, and then you sort of drill into the role. So there's sort of this like blue sky exercise. And then you start to kind of work your way down a funnel of industry career and role. And, and when you get to that point, you sort of have done a lot of the work that will then filter into taking your career to date and then transferring that into a, whether it's a resume or a cover letter or interview or basically your narrative to say, this is why I'm going to be a great fit, you know, and you've already figured out, well, I'm already passionate about this stuff. So that's going to shine through. And you've really thought through about why you're interested in this company or, or this type of role. And then a lot of roles and stuff, they're not actually on the career page in general. And so there's this whole networking component around who do you know that might be there or figuring out who might run the department that you're interested in having a conversation or trying to have a conversation and reach out to them. And, and so there's, I sort of think of it as this like big funnel that you sort of work down. And by the time you get to the bottom and you're, you're ready to rebuild and recraft your resume and I've, I've got a really cool cover letter template that has a really high success rate for folks, you know, you, you, you've sort of done all that work and then it sort of comes together in, in one fell swoop. And then there's interview tactics and salary negotiation and all that kind of stuff that that's really helpful for folks as well. So what is something when it comes to people applying for jobs or interviewing for jobs, what's something that's commonly kind of overlooked? What is something people need to work on that you think because i mean everybody knows you got to get your resume in order you know you got to dress professionally for the interview um you know but what is something that you're just like wow this gets overlooked a lot and this is something that if you nail it um you'll really be on your way i think a, cu a couple things jump out i think a lot of people don't give the preparation that they should so again instead of worrying about 
trying to get 20 interviews. It's, it's trying to get three interviews and really understanding the company and the role and figuring out what you're going to bring to the table and how you're going to exceed the expectations of that role. And a lot of that is up front and really spending a lot of time combing the business online. And again, a lot of this stuff, it's easier than ever to do it. It's just, you got to be willing to, to do it. And then when you sort of go in, it's, it's asking good questions, sort of figuring out what keeps people up at night. What are you thinking for 2021 strategy? What's your dream employee look like? Who are, what are top performers doing? And I think it's also, if you're working with an internal recruiter at the company, it's having a really good relationship with, with him or her. You know, when I made the switch of industries, I applied for one position and didn't get it because I didn't have the industry experience. But then I did well enough in the interview process that they sort of pivoted me. And so mm -hmm. being really kind and generous to your recruiter because they're going to be the person that's helping you navigate it. But I think that, you know, by the time you show up for an interview, 80% of the work should, should really be done at that point. If you haven't done that work, then it's, it's an uphill battle. And I'm also still, even though it's old fashioned, I'm a big believer in sending thank you notes, physical oh, absolutely. notes in addition to the email. Because if, if you're the exact same profile and you both do as well, if you're competing with, you know, two or three other candidates, that thank you note could be the thing that, that sends you over. And I get it. It's old school. And, uh, but that resistance is interesting to me, but ultimately it's a thing that could tip the scales in your favor. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, there's a story I love to tell where, you know, before I left corporate America to run this business, you know, I worked in marketing and I interviewed at a job at a company's axis, you know, which worked hand in hand with a, with a company that you work for. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed for a job and never heard back from them um, for whatever reason. And then a year later, about 11 months later, another job popped up. And it was funny because that first job really wasn't a great fit for me. But the, the one that popped up was a perfect fit. And I had not only did I apply, but I emailed the person, the hiring manager, because I knew her. And I said, hey, I said, I don't know if you remember me, but here's my resume. You know, you know, I'm interested. And then she literally sent it right over to the recruiter because they were at a phase where they had gone through candidates. They couldn't find anybody they liked. They were pulling their hair out. And then I came in and I kind of already almost kind of already passed the interview because I already done it once. Right. And then I kind of I always tell people I snuck in the back door for that job. Because I think there's a lot of people that never got an interview because they didn't know, you know, who to email, so to speak. So I do think that that's very true is about, you know, having that relationship. I always say having a relationship with recruiters because they're the ones that know when the jobs come open. Mm -hmm. And if, if they attach their, you know, recommendation to you, that's going to carry a lot more weight than just a cold, a cold resume that comes through the website. Yeah. And that makes me think of the importance of, of follow up in general and, and being aggressive to stay on offense when when you're applying. And then I think you're really good at this, you, is keeping your network warm all the time and not just reaching out. Okay, it's like, okay, well, now I wanna make a career change. So who's the best people to help you? Well, it's your network. But then when you start reaching out to people at that point, but you haven't talked to them in three years, it's a little awkward. And so actually taking time to sort of mine your network and stay close with people and see if you can help anyone is, is really important. I think, I think you're a person who does that spectacularly well, a lot better than I do, in fact. Yeah, well, I think it's also you know, part of who I am. I mean, I love talking to people. 
I mean, it's funny. One of the things that I've had to do is I've had to be more respectful of my own time because I will take a, I used to, I used to just take a phone call with anybody. Like I would just talk to anybody for any reason for an hour, no problem. Because, and I had no problem with that. And now I, I kind of, as an entrepreneur have to say, well, you know, is that the best use of my time? Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe I should, you know, regulate this to an email and a message. And then if it's worthwhile for both parties, you know, escalate it to a phone call. But I mean, I think you're right because, you know, cold, you know, you can have a network and you can know a bunch of people, but if you only reach out when you need something, you know, people catch on to that pretty quickly uh, as opposed to keeping your network warm. So I think that's a great point. So, um, yeah, so I guess we're going to wrap things up here um, in our interview with John. Uh, John, do you have any parting advice for anybody out there that is looking to make a significant career shift or career move? I mean, besides clicking the, I mean, our, our biggest advice is clicking the uh, link in the description so they can check out your website. But what kind of free advice can you give them before we wrap up here? Sure. Well, well thank you for that. I think with some of my clients and, and even myself, I think I would say two things. One is have small wins every day. So I've had clients where they haven't worked, for example, in 20 years. They were taking care of a family member or they you know, were raising their you know, kids and they want to get back in the game. And that's an, a more extreme example. But with them, it's like, how do we create small wins so that you go to bed every night feeling like you accomplished something, even if you're you're going on this, you know, career search or trans transition that might take a little while. The, the second thing I would say is I think it's really important now is to really not to be too woo woo, but feed your brain positive information to, you know, I try to read some of that every morning. And so I think it's really easy to get in your own head, let these mental mind blocks sort of tell you, I can't do this versus listening to positive podcasts or reading books that uh, will, will, will maybe give you some advice because the, the problem, and I think the reason there are career coaches is when you don't know, like if you're unhappy in your career, what do you do? You go talk to your friends and your family and they're not happy in their careers either. And, and they don't know what they're doing. And then they're going to layer on their biases on what you should or shouldn't be doing. So it's, it's less like trying to block out noise and negativity and just make sure that you're feeding you get in the habit of kind of feeding your brain things that are going to build you up versus bring you down because it's going to be hard enough. No, absolutely. I think that's absolutely right because, you know, I, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the, the advice that you let in. And I think it's difficult, you know, for some people because they ask for, you know, advice from certain people, but it's like, you know, is that person really qualified to give advice? I mean, it's the person who's been, you know, fired from three jobs, really qualified to give the advice on about what to do next is the person who's been bitching about their job for a decade, but never, you know, stepped foot out of it to try to do something else. The best person. Well, no, it really isn't. Um, so I think that that's, that's excellent advice uh, to kind of, you know, think about who you want to let in. So, you know, again, John, thank you so much for joining us. If anybody's interested in John's coaching services, we're going to put that link to his website in the description and the show notes. So you can go ahead and check that out. Um, we're going to be back next week with a solo monologue. I'm going to be talking about uh, next week's episode is going to be a topic is uh, don't run too fast. Don't go too far. Uh, we're going to talk about that. That's going to talk about, you know, how people in society will kind of treat you like a child and tell you not to run too fast with your idea. Don't go too far with your dreams. And I'm going to talk about why that yeah, talk about why that's complete bullshit and why I've spent 33 years doing the exact opposite. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Check us out for that. 
Uh, this has been our interview with John. John, thank you again for joining the program. And um, also, we're going to put the link up. Uh, before I forget, we'll put the link to your podcast as well because um, you've had some pretty cool interviews so far. So I think that's going well for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, once again, this has been the Clarity Report. Thank you so much for your time. And as always, be absolutely clear about what you want in life. Goodbye now.